You are listening to season three of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Welcome to the Week Pastor Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today on this brand new episode. And I am so delighted because we have a special guest. We have two amazing people, good friends of mine uh, that are on this program today. I want to welcome Scott and Christina Kwok. How you two doing? How you two beautiful people doing? Literally 10,000 miles away from us right now. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Yeah, doing amazing here. All right. Well, it's great. Well, we're really excited to have you on. And for those who don't know this, Jenny and I, about a month ago or so, we were actually in Asia. We were in Korea and Thailand. And when we went to Thailand, Scott convinced me to make sure I bring Jenny there to celebrate our 24th year anniversary. And they were such gracious hosts. They picked us up at the airport. We were at Phuket. And we spent about four nights in Phuket, and it was great. And guys, I'm still thinking about the food. I'm still thinking about the Phuket version of Pad Thai, which is the best Pad Thai I've ever had. Um, and, uh, and it was such an amazing time that we had together. So, you know, whatever happens in Phuket stays in Phuket, right, guys? Whatever happens in Phuket stays in Phuket. You know yeah, what I'm talking about, right, Scott? We we haven't laughed that hard in a long time. So was... <laughs> <laughs> we laughed. I, I want to say in the car for about a good 15, oh 20 gosh. minutes, like the four of us, especially like no, we no, just, no, 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 the three of you. No, the three I'm of us. Getting we were crying. Roti. Chris, what, what did you get? Christina, what did we get? I was we getting, getting roti. Yeah, you were getting was roti, roti and something was happening. Completely and it was just the, all of this, this is going on. And then I get back in the car to like tears. <laughs> streaming down everybody's faces because we we're laughing so hard. We by the way so, somebody so i went fun. to eat at a thai restaurant recently and somebody told me that i'm not saying it correctly because <laughs> i ordered thai? pad thai and they told me it's not it's i mean you guys obviously can tell me she was and very lovingly it wasn't like she was being judgy about it she was like it's pad thai it's not pad thai is this correct or not correct <laughs> i mean yeah, I mean, Thai is a tonal language already. So, I mean, if you're getting into like really, really, really cor- correct pronunciation yeah. and things like that, I mean, you can get really serious mm-hmm. about it and be like, you know. So I think what yeah. Christina is like graciously saying is that most Westerners or who don't speak it probably won't get anywhere close to it anyway. <laughs> so we can just stick with. So just yeah, take the Western way. Oh, you lost me a tonal. Years. I was like tonal. Yeah, I can't yeah. do tonal. Yeah, yeah. I've been well, here for I, six years and I still don't get all the tones, any yeah. of the tones correct. So I just figure if I say enough of something, enough of the words, like they can gather my meaning and context from what I'm saying because yeah my pronunciation is still way far off mm. I feel like so. she's being humble yes. about it actually yeah she is being humble because yeah. she can actually speak yeah. and converse with people I've, I've heard her uh when I was there so she's actually quite humble about it but we're going to talk a lot about what they do and, and the reason why we invited them on this on this podcast on this episode but before we do that we always start off with an opening question Wait, can and- we sorry I don't want to like hijack but shouldn't they kind of introduce themselves a little bit uh okay because okay I okay. feel like you're kind of I know you know them really well okay but I don't think anybody really all right no that's may, good you know, that's good you know that's like good. a brief introduction Sure. Yes. Scott, Christina, go ahead. Why don't you give us a little brief introduction about who you guys are and what you guys are currently doing and all that kind of stuff. Anything you want to share? Yeah. Well, we uh, we are currently in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And um, 
we mostly don't know what we're doing out here, but we're, still, <laughs> we're figuring it out uh, one day at a time. Uh, and I and I know joking aside, uh, you know, uh, there's so many layers to the work that we're doing. Mainly, um, you know, the primary work scope is to uh, stand in the gap between uh, where people are coming from, and it could be from you know various challenging backgrounds to where they're headed, and you know, from uh, going from survival to sustainability, and and going from that point to uh, thriving uh, positions in life. And so uh, we're sort of sort of in that middle space of how do we uh, walk alongside people going from point A of their past to the future. And so um, we mainly do it through uh, two main avenues. One is a for-profit entity called Bella Goose, uh, which is a uh, coffee and cafe focused hospitality um, uh, entity. And uh, the main, main uh, way that we uh, approach people is by enriching communities through people first hospitality. And uh, that's how we empower people globally. Um, mm. And as a for-profit entity, we provide jobs uh, and also uh, some vocational training elements. Uh, the other way we do it is through our Gateway Foundation, uh, which is the nonprofit arm. And um, we work towards equipping and empowering people uh, to a new beginning. So wherever they're coming from, we meet them where they are. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we curate a focused approach for uh, each individual. And um, if they need to breathe, we give them some breathing room. If they need a place to live, we have uh, transition homes that they stay at. Um, they need medical or education support. We, we do our best to provide that uh, to a point where they feel safe and secure enough to say, okay, I'm, I'm ready to take the next steps, which usually leads to vocational training opportunities, uh, job placement opportunities. And um, there's so many different layers to this process, but we do our best um, to meet the, meet people where they are and just walk alongside them in this journey. I mean, I'm so fascinated. I can't wait for us to get deeper into this a little bit about what you guys do because you guys are kind of like redefining what missionaries uh, should be doing. And so I, I'm looking forward to talking a little bit about that. So before we get too deep into that, um, I want to start off with an opening question, if that's okay. Sue, is it okay for us to do an opening question now? Yes. I mean, when I I meant, um, like, I, I just wanted to know where they were from. <laughs> like, not necessarily because, I, you know, that, that um, just to give our audience, like, a feel. But, yes, yeah. that's totally fine. Because, yeah, you know what, what, what? Like, what, we're getting yeah. straight to the meat. And I don't want to, like, give, you know, I don't want to yes, have to switch yes, the yes. tone well, once you do this outrageous question that you're about to ask. And then have to No, it's not going to be so. outrageous. Oh, okay. You no, know, I okay. realize because we have too many of us here today. I don't want to be, be too outrageous. Okay. And okay. I don't want to so be too crazy. How about crazy. this? Yeah. Um, I'm from the country of Texas. And grew up there. Uh, learn how to live and, and you know, um, progress in life. And then where are you from, Christina? Uh, so I was originally born in Pennsylvania, um, but I spent all of my growing up formative years in Tennessee. So really, I claim Tennessee. I just don't have the access to go along with it. Okay. okay. And you but guys are you, married. You... So how yes. long have you guys been married? We are. We've been happily married for Seven, seven, seven years. years? Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. And have you had, yeah. sorry, I just have some basic questions that I just want to get out. And how long of those seven years have you been in Thailand? A little over six. Wow. Okay. So most, most of your married life. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they met on, they met in the mission wow. field. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's how they okay. met. You know, that's okay. why I was like, I mean, Scott, man, God hooked you up, brother. He hooked you up. Yeah, I know. Uh, we're in Cambodia. I mean, it's, it's the, uh, uh, running uh running a guest house there and then yeah you know, she 
with me and follow me around everywhere. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> wow. She has a more romantic version of the story, by the yeah, way. But... Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, all right. Sorry, PP is like really annoyed at me because I keep interrupting. Okay, do your question. Do your question. No, no. First, Christina, can you do the southern draw if if you want? I know you don't have it, but can you do uh, it? Yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, I can. I can imitate it. Okay. Okay. I, I just I just wanted to know. So so here's here's just a, a real nice just opening question because I think it'd be good for our audience to know also like what you guys are streaming these days in Thailand. Like what are you guys watching? Like I thought it'd be great for us. What are we watching? What are we streaming these days? You know, it'd be good to like just share with our audience what we might be streaming. You know, what shows we might be watching and stuff like that. So I thought it'd be good just to kind of answer that if that's cool. And I think that'll be fast so that we can really spend time talking about what you guys are doing and things like that. So is that okay? What are you streaming these days? What are you watching? I think that would be really cool. And, you know, I mean, I, Sue, you're going to have to share. It's probably some dating, some dating uh, series there on Netflix. There haven't been that any watching. that I've been wanting to no? watch. No? Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, you guys need time to think about it? Because I can go first. Yeah, you go first. All right. So I'm like, I don't know why, but I'm, I still I still have my Netflix. That's cool. But I'm so into Apple TV stuff these days. Um, I love watching series on Apple TV. So my favorite series that I'm watching right now currently is a series called Invasion. Okay. Have you guys heard of it? It is so, it's alien invasion basically. It it's it's so good. Like the, the recent one or the one from like a few years ago? Uh the one from a few years ago and then the season two just came out. Yeah, so season two oh. just came out. And I think season two is better than season one. Honestly, Christina, did I think you it's watch a lot this? Better. Well, I mean, I watched a show called Invasion, but I mean we're talking like a couple like a decade ago. Oh no no no! This is new. This is new. Maybe this is new. This is probably okay, about so, uh, the, okay. the first season came out about a uh, I would say about a year and a half, two years ago. Okay, yeah. Uh, no, and then the second season just came out, and so I've been watching. I'm on the second season. It is so good. I'm enjoying it very much. I think the second season is actually a lot better than the first. It took too long. The first season just took too long to set everything up, but this one is 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 better. So that's the first one I'm watching. And then uh, the second one I'm watching, don't judge me, is I'm watching The Morning Show. The Morning Show. Why would I judge you for that? With a spoon? No, that I was just good. Say, I, you know, I used to work in news, so I just, I have a little affinity to watching shows like that, but I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying this season. It's been good. And so those are the two that I'm watching. Uh, and that when I travel, I'll just download those episodes and I'll just watch it on the plane. I'm really, really enjoying it. So, yeah. So that's those are the two that I'm watching. So what about you guys? What are you watching, Chris? Yeah, what are we watching? Um <laughs> Scott's literally <laughs> looking at his phone and just trying to figure out what are we watching these days? I know he's I know looking Scott at our recently Texas. watched. Do you yeah, watch Texas together football. mostly? Yeah. I would okay. yeah, I would say so. Um let's let me see. I mean well, I'll just I'll start with the most intriguing show we've watched in about recent uh, recently. Uh okay, sure. Uh, Severance from Apple. Did you watch Ooh. that one? No, I hear that's good. I don't though. have yeah. an Apple TV subscription, by the way. Oh, you you should. You well, should. you're gonna have to get one after this because we're gonna I sell you all of these. Shows. I have so wait, many wait. subscriptions. Sue, you've never watched Ted Lasso. Mm -mm. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! I don't, I don't watch a lot of fiction. Sue, you gotta watch Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso is not fiction. Ted Lasso I mean, is I have heard, so good. I feel like I'm one of these weird oh. people that cannot be peer pressured into watching things. I have not watched a single episode of Game of Thrones. Um, and it's one of those Same. things that everyone will talk about it, but like, I, I just can't 
like unless like I, I can't commit. I can't commit. But Ted Lasso, Chris is saying Ted Lasso, I need to watch. Yeah. Okay, you know I what? Know. You oh, seem no. like a reliable no. source. PP is not the most <laughs> reliable me? source. You have told me to watch <laughs> so many that. weird shows before that I watched two episodes. I'm like, no. So once in a while, there's some really good recommendations, but there's some really, I can't that's even true, say some true. of them on this show. I know, that's true. That's true. You okay, know okay, that. Okay. Don't push no, me. I do, I do okay? know that. I do but, know that. Yeah, okay. okay. So Scott you and have grounds to your, to your statement there. What other shows? Severance. Okay. I'll check it out. What do you guys, anything else you guys watching out there in Thailand? No, uh, other than that, no. we just pray all the time. And mm. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that trash. Oh, oh and then, yeah. yeah, and then you watch Texas football, I know, on a real oh, yes. religious Are you a Longhorn? And... I feel like you were a Longhorn. Oh, he's a yes. huge yes. Longhorn. Yes, everyone. Yeah. Of course. And they did have a Wait. loss, so that was tough. We don't talk about that. Oh, my no. goodness. Yeah, uh, I PB, thought you've about already you. broken the cardinal rule here. No, I actually thought about you when they lost. I was like, oh man, I wonder if I should message you. Wait, now. Why, why are we still talking about this? Okay, sorry, <laughs> I, I we moved on already. Okay. All right, so 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 you, yeah, you just watched Severance a couple months ago, and now you're just praying. Okay, that's good. That's yeah. good. I like that. All right, what about you, Sue? What are you watching these days? So, like I said, I I rarely can watch fiction because I get so stressed out watching it like even books like unless I so usually even if I start a fiction book I'll read the ending because I cannot concentrate in the middle because I'm so stressed out and have so much anxiety about how it's going to end um so I need to know the end which is why the bible works great for me because like I know where we're all headed it'll all end out okay so that's the only reason why I can be a Christian because I already know the ending but um recently my my kids are super into anime um it's they're a little young for it, but um, I let them go, and so we have a subscription to Crunchyroll. I don't know if anybody knows what Crunchyroll is. It's an anime no subscription site, like an anime streaming. So recently, I went on a weird rabbit hole and started rewatching anime that I used to watch when I was like a teenager. So I started rewatching Initial D, which is an anime about car racing. Um, nice. I've lost everybody. I've basically lost. I'm really judging train. you right now. Why? Uh, what? So I thought you were watching other like really cool things. When really? have Just I ever anime? watched cool things? Just being honest, when have I ever watched cool things? I mean, uh, you know that that dating Indian show in matchmaking? India. Matchmaking. Yeah, matchmaking in India and all that. Like you're watching like some interesting stuff, but okay. No, so it's I started rewatching Initial D, and um, yeah, I'm I'm rewatching some anime. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on and really talk about uh, why you guys are here. Uh, you know, for those who don't know, that Scott was a terrible Kwok, transition. Yeah, I know it was a terrible transition, but it's okay. We're gonna move on. Uh, but you know, Scott Quack, uh, I met him at Metro, and you know, Scott, maybe it'd be good for you to just share a little bit about your testimony, kind of like when you came to Metro and all that kind of stuff, and then kind of like quickly, if you can, in a few minutes, and like you know how God kind of worked in your heart because mm-hmm. you also served on staff, Samele, all that stuff. So it might be good for people to kind of learn a little bit about your story. So would you just mind sharing briefly? Yeah. Um, so in that, so there was a Sunday where I visited Metro for the first time. It was in one of those uh, previous schools that you uh, you were speaking at. Yeah. Um, and a friend of mine just, uh, you know, directed me to uh, Metro. And um, I actually don't even know why I was there because it was a very... Um, tough season in my life where, uh, you know, I, I moved to New Jersey uh, to have a fresh start after uh, just a really, really um, low point in my life. And um, it was, it was when you were up there and you were speaking and you shared about, you shared really intimate things about your life, about, you know, your family and your past. And 
the level of vulnerability and honesty uh, that you've, you've led with um, somehow opened my heart to receive all of that. And um, you never even met me because I was looking at you uh, on the on the stage and I said, I could trust this man more than any of my past, you know, experiences in church, in leadership and all the all the things that I've uh, I grew up with, uh, with one sermon that you shared. Mm. And uh, from that point on, I said, you know, I want I want to have more of this experience of what Metro is and who who Peter is. And um, that started the journey of um, mm. me coming regularly to church again, because I mean, I was out of church for, you know, quite a while at that point um, and almost kind of written off church as a whole. Um, and, you know, one step led to another and I got involved um, and got to know you better, got to know the team better. Um, it really pulled me out of the depths of my life and I was able to find a new beginning. Yeah. And, um, you know, part of my testimony now is if I'm able to do this work and I don't even know what I'm doing half the time, um, anybody can. And, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm the proof of that. Like, you know, I was at a place from where I felt like I couldn't do anything to where I feel like, wow, you know, there's it, we've come a long way here. And it's been a, just yeah. an amazing journey. And, and if I can just kind of step in for our audience, if you followed us for the past three seasons, you've heard my story because I said that there was a time, probably year five of our church plant. I just kind of wanted to, I was so burnt out and I wanted to quit in some ways. And our elder board said, I need to go on a sabbatical. And originally I just said, I can. I mean, just there's so much going on in the church. We had some issues with staff members that couldn't really step up and, and then serve while I, I was on sabbatical. So I was prepared not to. And if you remember in previous episodes, I said that there was a guy who was in our discipleship class called HD with Sue. I think you guys were in the same class that year, right? HD, you guys did HD so. together? No? Oh, my bad. No. My bad. Okay. I don't remember Scott's life story. So I feel like I can't. I, wouldn't okay. I don't remember anything about Sue that year. So yeah. <laughs> that year or the Oh, many you know what? You know what? No, no. I think Sue was the year before that. Sue was the year yeah, before that. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm your predecessor. Also, That's right. I just want to kindly remind Scott that I volunteered to help clean out your apartment, which was not a fun day for me. So you owe me something. Okay. okay. Wow. It was very dusty. Thank God for Christina now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. I don't Christina remember that either. But, yeah. Thoroughly entertained. Yeah. So, so dust you know, balls but, but Scott... gathered everywhere. <laughs> Anyways. All right. Let's yeah. get off. Let's get off Sorry. the dust Sorry. balls and let's try to get back yes. to spirit. Yeah. History. Here, okay? history, so. yeah I, got, okay. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, yeah. I gotta yeah. give some, I gotta give a shout out to Scott because uh, it was during an HD class and I, I just kind of shared with the group. I said, you know, um, elders want me to go on a sabbatical. I don't think I'm going to be able to do it because we've had some staff issues and stuff like that. And they can't take over while I'm here while I'm gone. And I just remember after the class, Scott pulled me aside and he closed the door, put me in my office. And he said, you need to do this because God told me that if you don't go on a sabbatical, something bad is going to happen to you. Like something bad. I don't know what, but something bad is going to happen to you. And he said, I will take over. I will oversee everything, all the Sunday operations. I will oversee just the management of Sunday services. You don't have to worry about it. So go. And really, it was because of him. And uh, I went on the sabbatical and that's when God changed my life. And so you play such a big role in that. And even today, for those who don't know, I, Scott and I meet every month via Zoom and uh, we just kind of share our lives. And, you know, we, we meet 
truly kind of speak into each other's lives. And, you know, I just, I'll never forget that. And so you're still the kind of guy that I always look to also and saying, all right, is God saying anything to you about me? Because I really like to know because that sabbatical changed my life and it changed my trajectory for ministry forever. You know, so I really have you to thank for that. So what happened eventually is that Scott also became the executive director for Zamele, and that was great. But then while he was there, he decided to go to world world race and he came back and he just said, I'm sorry, I need to be on the mission field. And I try to convince him otherwise. I'm like, dude, you're still doing missions right now. You're, you're executive director for Zamela USA. He's like, no, I got to go. He's like, God has called me on the mission field. And you did. And you went, you were faithful to it. And that's how you met, you know, your wife and, uh, and great things are, and you guys are doing great things out in Thailand. So we can kind of put that beside, uh, sort of to the side now. And I just kind of want to, sh- I want you guys to share a little bit more if, if you can about the scope of the work that you do. I know you were kind of being a little bit general, but really about the scope of the work that you do. So the vision like that God gave to you to go to Thailand, kind of, could you just share with us a little bit more? You share, you share with us what you're doing now. What was that vision that God gave to you guys six years ago? Like this vision to do what you're doing now? Um. Well, I mean, on my end, uh, I I feel like I have a life calling, uh, something that, you know, everything that I do, it needs to point towards this direction or, you know, I don't move mm. towards it. Uh, so it's making a way for those that don't have a way. And, yeah. you know, every time I wake up, uh, I'm like, am I doing the things uh, that is pointing me closer to that direction? And um, that's kind of it started within Zamele and then, you know, um, as I came out, you know, to, uh, Southeast Asia, uh, it just became more of, can I take one step towards that direction? And that's been the beginning of the journey. And it's something that I still follow, uh, uh wholeheartedly, uh, day in and day out. And, um, some, you know, there have been many times where I didn't know, uh, specifically what, uh, was, needed to be done or who I was supposed to, uh, walk alongside with. Um, but just keeping to that rhythm and that heart of, okay, what is it that God has called me to do? And, you know, it wasn't necessarily that it was Thailand or Cambodia or a specific group of people. It was just more of, this is what you got to do. This is, this is why you're here. Um, and, you know, um, just, just be on this journey and take one step at a time. And so that's how it began. And I'm not sure where you, where Christina's at with all of that. Uh, yeah. So um, I don't know exactly how I would frame it. I think I hear um, a lot of stories about, you know, um, people being called onto the mission field and right. uh, yeah. having those kind of experiences. And I don't, I'm trying to think in the back of my mind, like if I, if I can recall like a specific moment where I was like, Oh, this is the vision that I have Mm. for what this place is going to look like. I feel like for me, it's just been a series of events where I'm like pursuing like the, the design that the creator has created me with, you Mm. know, Mm. Um, I have these incredible passions that I've grown up with that, haven't necessarily fit in with like the rest of my family. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm the one that at a very young age, I started traveling to different countries around the world. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, my family, like they're totally supportive of that, but they don't have that same thing, that itch that I had or something. Yeah. And so 
I did that a lot. And then we studied abroad a lot in college because it was just, there's just, for me, it was just, how do I be in another country, culture or another country that, you know, it gives me another different perspective than, than what I grew up with. And I just always found that fascinating. So even when I was at college, I was working in the international department with international students. And so there's always like this pull and I don't, I don't remember it being like waking up one day and being like, oh, I'm, I'm called to, you know, a country outside of the United States. It was just always I was just being pulled in that direction constantly. Yeah. And then going to school for business and then, you know, wanting, having that desire of like, oh, I want to do business and I just, I want to do it well and I want to do it with excellence and I want to do it, you know, again, I think it just goes back for me, like design more than a mm. call. Like, I just feel like I've, I've just been finding out who I am and who God has designed me to be and then pursuing my passions through that. And it's just kind of led me here. And, I, and there are days that I just, I sit and I look around and I'm like, and even customers will ask like, oh, you're in Thailand. That's so cool. How did you get here? And I go, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I, yeah. I never, I mean, I guess in my wildest dreams, I would have imagined something like this, but I don't even think I could have dreamt up something mm. this incredible on most days. So, so if our audience is listening, Chris, you just shared some really amazing things about discerning kind of like your calling in life. And one of the things you're saying that I was just trying to live out the design that God made me. And I think that's really beautiful because God's wired us certain ways. And, 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 you know, sometimes people are like, what's my purpose? How do I find my purpose in life? And we're trying to figure it out, like just sort of like away from who we are and how God has made us. And I love how you just said it, like God, like you just kind of start to live into this design that God has given to you. You've always had a heart for the world. You've had a heart for overseas and things like that, uh, which I think is just beautiful. And I think it's just awesome. And then the other thing I think you shared is that in some ways, just to help our audience is that it's your passion. Like you're living out your design, but when you live out your design, you're, you're able to pursue the passions that you have. And that's exactly what it is. And I think over the, you know, for some Christians, because of just what they see, maybe if they meet people like you, they're like, well, is God going to call me to be a missionary? I don't want to do this. I don't want to get too close to God. Right. And like, you're thinking about that, like, what? Like, that's crazy. Why would God want you to do something that you don't want to do? It's more about what is your passion? Like, what is the design and how God's made you? And how do you live into it? Because when you do, that's how you're able to live the life that God's called you, whether it be on the mission field, whether it be being a business person, you know, what, whatever it might be, you know? And so I think that's really beautiful. So thank you for sharing that. Really, yeah, I, I think that's really, yeah. I'm like listening and yeah, that I'm like blown away because I feel like most stories of how people become missionaries or how God calls them to be a missionary. It's like very, there's usually like this element of dramatic, like, oh, like I saw a light or I had a dream or like somebody came to me one day, but you know, I, there's something so just lovely about your story. It reminds me of this book that I didn't read, but I thought the title was really cool. It's a book about Jim Peterson. The title was like something like along the lines of a long obedience in the same direction, which is basically kind of how I view what you're saying. It's like, it you it was a journey for you. It wasn't like one day God was like, let's do this. And I was like, okay, I'll throw everything away and I do it. And to me, that's so wonderful because um, you so much of, I feel like us, Sub surrendering to God and submitting to God's will is not this dramatic like road yeah. to Damascus thing. It's the everyday surrender. And I feel right. like as you're speaking, you know, 
you're so you just want to do what God has created you to do and what God wants you to do. And there's just this element of natural surrender to him that I feel like is so um, is so like inspiring for someone to listen to, you know, and look, it's like slowly, but all of a sudden you're here, you know, and you're also so it sounds like you're so open to also wherever God will lead you after this, you know. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. It's really great. And now when you get to the meat of this, all right, meat of why we asked you to come on here, um, you guys have made such an impact of my life, not just of what I just shared, but helping to, me to understand human trafficking. And I still remember, Scott, like on a few sabbaticals ago, I, I was in Chiang Mai. You invited me to come out. And I was like, I'm going to go. And, and I sat and we spent some time together. And you just kind of start sharing with me a whole new way of looking at human trafficking and the vocation of prostitution, which is so different and foreign from what I've been taught out here because we demonize the work so much. And it's so hard then to, to actually separate the person from this quote unquote demonic act that they're doing. And I think that was it. And you just really helped me to dissect that and see it in such a beautiful way. And so I, I would just love to just spend a little time, if we can, just talking about this, Scott, if you wouldn't mind. Because even like when we were at Phuket, you were like, we're going to go to the, um, is it the red light district? Or it's just, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I forget exactly what you called it, but we're going to go there. And I want you to again to see, I want you to see these women. You know, things like that. And there's just such a beautiful way in how you're like helping me to understand this. But anyway, could you just share with our audience um, some of the things you've shared with me over the years, mm -hmm. kind of like what we need to do? Because and maybe you can also touch upon like what we're doing wrong in this country in addressing human trafficking. I think that would be really great. And then hopefully Chris can jump in and share too. Yeah, uh, we have uh, three and a half hours in this podcast to uh, now <laughs> about an hour. All the elements. <laughs> okay. We got to get to the meat wow. of this, man. We got to okay. get to the meat of this because if we don't get to the meat of this, like I want people to learn. This is I an think he's saying the really meat learn. is going to be minimum three and a half yeah. hours. Yeah, uh, you know? yeah. Let's go for yeah. it. Come on, man. Let's so, let's see. Let's see. Uh, we are, so we are by far um, not the experts. Um, we sure. are involved in an aspect of tackling the bigger issue of human trafficking. Um, and the every year passing and every step that we take, it, it just there's a level of complexity and um, uh, just sort of um, like the we see the magnitude of it all and we feel like we know less mm -hmm. <laughs> the further we get into it. Sure, or you know, sure. there, there's even times when we feel helpless because we're like, wow, we're not even making a dent. Yeah. Um, at the whole thing. Um, so the the first thing that I think would be good to address is um, generally speaking, people sort of, um, you know, clump together, um, you know, red light district with human trafficking um, and, you know, amongst a lot of different facets of what this is, there's so many layers uh, and, and intricacies that uh, it's good to try to do your best to understand what the difference is. Um, mm. So for example, um, in the worst situations, of course, uh, we have to recognize that uh, the worst form of human trafficking is where people are completely trapped, where mm -hmm. um, they are locked up and they are under absolute duress and have no freedom from their situation and they have no choice in that matter. Uh, and um, there are efforts uh, currently being uh, in pursuit of, of finding freedom for uh, some of these women and young adults. Um, 
it is something that is needing to be addressed fully. Um, and then beyond that, there are um, multiple variations um, where, you know, let's say there are people in the red light district. Um, some are under duress or they are coerced mm -hmm. into a situation um, beyond um, their control. Um, but there are also many cases where people are there by their own choice. Um, and yeah. of course, no one will choose the profession of uh, sex work. I mean, it's not like you wake up one day because this is what I want to do. It's yeah. uh, somehow they ended up in that place. Um, and the, the thought process is that, hey, if they are given an opportunity outside of that, wouldn't they just jump at it? Mm -hmm. um, and it's not that simple. And there's so many different layers of um, uh, the complexities that are there. And it varies between culture to culture, country to country, situationally, uh, how it's how it's different. Um, so the first step is to uh, stratify and understand the nuanced differences. And mm. that will help kind of clarify the initial questions that people have. Uh, so, for example, Peter, when you first came, it was like yeah. every day you were exposed to a different aspect of uh, rescue restoration, prevention programs, uh, the red light districts. And uh, by the end of like day six or seven within the group that you brought, it was more like they had good, tangible questions. And that's when we knew, OK, their light bulbs are going off. They're, they're finally understanding the depth of it all. Yeah. OK. The yeah. other aspect, uh, I can't speak of all the countries. Um uh, Thailand has one of the largest sex tourism in the world and the largest uh, sex tourism destination uh, city in the world. Um, and it's massive. You're talking about hundreds of thousands of people that are uh, involved in this uh, industry here. And, um, you know, when initially we came and we were doing our best to learn as much about it as possible. And uh, we, we were like, well, you know, is this, is this the majority of the situation within the country? And uh, the experts on the field, uh, they kind of looked at us like, this may account for only 5% of the whole issue within Thailand. Mm. And the majority of the issue is underground are in areas that we will never have access to. Like we could spend our entire lives trying to tackle um, the issues at hand and we'll never be able to make a, a larger impact. And it was very defeating to initially hear that. Because we're like, we came here to do our best at, you know, uh, reaching people, loving and caring for people well. And to hear that, wow, this is the scope. This is the magnitude. Yeah. But that was the beginning of the process of us really trying to understand. And I think that's the first step is really trying to get to the bottom of it, uh, learning the depths of it and not just simply clumping everything together. So, 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 Chris, so let me just ask you, Christina. So Scott was saying like, you know, like when you go to Bangkok, which is the largest city where there is human trafficking and so forth, um, like, you know, we naturally here in the West think like that's where the majority of the prostitution is happening at Soy Cowboy, you know, at the, the, that alleyway and stuff like that. And Scott is saying that that's only 5% of what's happening in this country. The other 95% is places where it's like underground, meaning it's hidden tourism's tourists don't go there. So then who goes there? Like, what is this 95%? Like, kind of, if you can share a little bit more about that, that would be great. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I would say a lot of it goes down to culture. And the thing is, is like a lot of times when people from the West Americans come over here with the, these lenses on of like, you know, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to, mm -hmm 
finish defeat human trafficking as, as, if, as if it's that simple. They come over here and they have a lot of misconceptions and preconceived notions about what it is. And the thing I like to challenge people is like, I mean, it's, it's happening in America too. Like you just, and then what you just come over and then you end up making like cultural fallacies because, you know, you have this thing of like, oh, well, this is happening here when it's like, no, if if you're really putting on the lenses of what this looks like, you would see the complexities of this in your own country, in your own town, in your own city. I mean, it's a, it's a global thing. And I think a lot of it goes back to just how humanity thinks that other humans are, you know, products and they they can buy and trade and sell just like they would any product on the market. And so when you start to get into the cultural nuances of things, um, it's going to, again, it's going to be very, just as very as much as cultures vary. Right. And so when you're looking at where the majority of things are coming from here, well, yeah, I mean, it's within its own country because 95% of the people that live here are from here, you know? And so there's going to be, and if, if you can get at that culture of like addressing from the beginning, like, no, you can't trade in human beings like you do a commodity. Um, like there's there's value and there's worth there. Then yeah, then you're going to start to mm-hmm. see things differently. And but then you'll start to see it like as as it is. Is like this is a massive thing that's affecting the whole world. And yeah, yeah. And the industry of prostitution has been around you know, for thousands of years in the yeah. beginning of time, you know, yeah. biblical times, yep. biblical times. And so uh, it's also not something that, you know, we can just change, um, you know, the, uh, the, I guess the, the human course of it all. Um, it's a matter of, you know, in order to make a greater impact, how do we get to the root level of the issue? And, uh, you know, as, as most people could figure like the, the deepest root level is within the poverty scope of, um, let's say, the rural communities and in, in areas where people are vulnerable to susceptible, being susceptible to, um, you know, be be in entrapped by you know this whole industry, and so um, you know that's something that we are still trying to figure out on our end of what part do we play in. Um, finding a solution for, you know, in the next 20, 30 years of our life that we'll be involved in. Right. Um, and so, you know, it is something that we have to have a much more collaborative approach across many people and organizations. Um, it's such a big, big problem that not only, not one entity or one grouping of people can tackle this. It has to be a larger effort and uh, we have to, um address it across different angles, but ultimately how do we get to the root of it all and um, all play a part in uh, making this a better, uh, making this country a better place than when we initially came into it. So yeah, um, that's the underlying hope of it all. What are some of the cultural, yeah. What what are some of the cultural fallacies that you see when people come from the West and they want to like, you know, do something to end human trafficking and that kind of, what are some of the examples of cultural fallacies that you've seen? Um, so I, I think I mentioned earlier, like, you know, they may come in 
uh, feel like if they rescue the women or the young adults yeah. out of um, the red lights, that they would just be grateful and they would just, you know, gravitate towards, oh, wow, you saved me from the situation. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people are uh, surprised or even shocked when um, the same women that they supposedly rescued end up just going right back into the situation. Yeah. Um, because there's there, um, there's really not a way forward for many of the people that are there and mm -hmm. they're in that situation. They may be uh, indebted. They may be supporting their families back at home. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They may need a, uh, a revenue source um, that can support uh, whatever obligations that they're facing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's not just about getting people out. It's what are good steps forward for people? Yeah. And I think that is uh, the bigger um, task at hand and yeah. finding a solution towards that would um, naturally have people wanting to engage in that conversation or that process. Right. Yeah. And I Christina, mean, you have something you want to say? Yeah. And so, and just going along with that, I mean, there's, you know, revenue streams, there's education, you know, just because you take someone out of a job doesn't mean that they're automatically qualified and know how to do another job. And so, yeah. and depending on the level of education, right. It's like, Oh, well, it's fine. I'll just train them. You know, I've, I've worked in schools before I've worked in restaurants before, you know, back in my home country. And so, I'll just take them and train them. And then they get four weeks into training and they're like, this isn't, this isn't, this should be, we sh you should be trained by now. And it's like, I mean, there's so many things that we take for granted of like just the process of learning. Maybe some people haven't been exposed to that. And so it's going to, what could take someone who at, like was part of a Western school system one or two months to learn something, mm -hmm. a new skill could take, six to 10 months to a year. And so then people get, you know, discouraged along the way, or, and then they give up or it's, you know, immigration status, like citizenship status, like, okay, yeah, you've, you've rescued someone, you've, you've told them to leave their job, but, and said, go find something else. But it, like, are you doing the hard work to get the citizenship paperwork? Yeah. Are you doing hard work to make sure that they have proper documentation? Like, it's just there's just and i mean that's just three of like probably yeah. tens of things that we could probably address in the next 10 minutes yeah and one other element is uh, uh we we uh we have our staff that engages uh regularly with you know uh women that are working in the bars um and we ask you know them how i know how's the last week been how's the last month been um and a lot of times they do talk to us about you know christians that come and you know uh, minister to them and they just, they ask us sometimes like, you know, why are they, why are they such mean people <laughs> in the sense of there's judgment mm -hmm. casted? Um, yeah. They're like, we're good. We're good people. Like, you know, we're, we're trying to um, do good things in life and, you know, um, however they view uh, their profession, you know, that's, that's besides the question right now. It's more of um, how are people treating them in their situation? Um and then, you know, um, as we, you know, we, we always lead with love and we always lead with, you know, Hey, we care for you. We want to see the best for you. Um, it's hard to kind of sometimes be kind of coupled together with, uh, others that may not be leading in that way. Um, right. and it's always a challenge for us because we're always combating that. Um, and also 
figuring out like how do we communicate that better to the whole community? Right, right. I have a question because yeah, go for it. When you say people are like Christians are coming in to like do these rescue operations or whatever glamorous heroic thing they are imagining, what do you say? Like, what do you mean? Like, the rogue people are coming in trying to find trafficked people, like, or are these actual organizations that are trying to come in? Like, what are they coming to do exactly if their plan is not to stay long term? Like, I'm just I don't understand. Uh-huh. That's what we ask all the time. Um, <laughs> okay, because <laughs> okay, <good. laughs> okay, I, I just I'm just trying to understand. Yeah, so yeah. there are legitimate organizations yep. that are mm-hmm. here long term doing the long thing. I think when we say like coming in and rescuing, like we're doing air quotes, which doesn't really right. Yeah, audio, um, is kind of like when where people are coming from, like what they think that they're here to do. Right. Not exactly what they're actually doing because you know they'll come here and they're like this is what we're here to do. And then, you know, we watch them play out their few days that they're here and they have, you know, their own ideas of how the trip went and what impact they've made and, you know, how things have been really good. And, um, and this, a random story, which I don't know. No, I love stories. But there's this, there's this place here that, um, that a lot of teams, like end up at and so then they'll go there and then they'll come back and they're like oh my gosh we led someone to christ and then they'll share the Mm. story about how they witnessed and ministered to this person and anyone who's been here for more than a month or seen more than one team go through knows that that Mm -hmm. that particular person gets again quote saved with every new team that comes through So again, so if you talk to that person that came on the short-term trip, they're going to go home with this incredibly beautiful story about how they went to a foreign land. They talked to someone and they introduced them to Jesus and, you know, there's another soul saved. But again, so like, but from the perspective of us that have been here for and seen that same person get saved multiple times, like... Yeah. So it's just, so I think yeah. when we talk about like rescue, quote rescue, it's, right. it's kind of like what, what we see people coming here thinking. And cause yeah, I mean, if we're talking about a legitimate rescue mission that I think a lot of people are thinking in their heads, like they wouldn't even get within a hundred miles mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. And yeah. The, I mean, the other element is that um, I feel like, when we are engaging in any type of um, uh, relational involvement in ministry, it needs to start with the relationship building. It needs mm-hmm. to um, uh, start with building uh, trust, uh, building communication. And realistically, how can you do that well within a one to two week time frame mm. uh, in any place in the world? That's and not right. Just here at Thailand. Um, and that's something that we encourage people that come here is uh, like there are people that come to our foundation and they say, hey, I want to uh, grow into this uh, ministry area. And uh, we ask, OK, well, um, are you going to be here for three years or longer? And they're usually like, no, I'm, I'm only here for three months. And I look at them going, you know, minimally. Like you would have to try to learn the culture, the language, you know, who the people are, what they eat, uh, what 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 they gravitate towards. Um, and it would take at the minimum of three years just to engage in that conversation. Yeah. And uh, in I don't know, it's in what world 
in anywhere in the world, like in, including the U.S., uh, how can you expect to just jump in there and you know um, make a major difference within two weeks? And that's the part that um, I'm still sort of uh, battling because um, yeah. I do believe there's a place for short-term uh, work. Um, but it is in the way that Metro does an amazing job at in the vision trip, the ambassador trip. Um, it's really getting to know the heart of what's going on, uh, getting to support the long-term people that are out here um, because they're the ones that are really going to make the, the long-term difference. Right, uh, right. More than, you know, like having a moment in time. Yeah. I, I, if it's okay, I just want to talk about these two cultural fallacies that you've helped me to understand when I've gone out there several times and seen. Uh, the first thing I want you guys to answer is this. In the West, if I went out to Thailand and I saw a 60-year-old white guy holding hands with a little child and I yelled at him, you rapist. That would be appropriate, I think, here in this country to think, well, that's uh, that's a good thing to do. Why would that not be a good thing to do in Thailand? Okay. So first of all, if that man was with a child, we would actually do something about it <laughs> because um, there's actionable items that we, actionable steps we could take. Let's say a six-year-old man was with someone that may be of age, but still very young, let's say like 18 to 20. Um, and, you know, when I first came, I, I had the same thoughts of like, how, how can this be possible? Like almost to a point of rage, even uh, looking towards this man. Uh, a crazy thing happened to me personally is when I was in that moment of heat, um, I felt like God nudging me to see, like really look into this guy's eyes and really uh, see what I see. And uh, not to ever condone what's happening, but it's I saw just a, a lonely, scared uh, little boy. And somehow justifying that this is okay, like he was mm -hmm. providing for this person and really caring for this person in his own way, making this okay. Um, but uh, what happened from that point on is like, you really have to look at the humanity uh, side of both the people that are accessing, uh, you know, uh, the in, uh, sex work industry, um, and also uh, the people that are on the other end of it. So for example, like if you cried out rapist to this guy, um, you know, there's really nothing to gain out of it. You know, um, whatever state he's in, you know, if he is receptive, then he's going to probably take flight. If he was defensive, then there could be a fight. And then the person that he's with, the girl that he's with, um, they usually feel terrible in that situation because it's yeah. something that they have to process as well as, you know, some sort of uh, duress, a form of duress that they're also um, experiencing secondhand or, you know, yeah. one step removed from it. Um, and so we've been in situations where, um, you know, we uh, we were doing our best to um, have people that are accessing, um, you know, to be like, hey, uh, in this space that, you know, it's not allowed and, you know, we're, we're doing our best to keep this place uh, free from, let's say, prostitution or, you know, sex, sex activities. And uh, we, we had the sex worker kind of plead saying, I'm not a bad person. Please, mm -hmm. please, like, uh, I'm, I'm really not trying to cause any harm or cause any trouble. And that really uh, impacted us because we're going like, we're not seeing everyone as people. And yeah. once we lose that, then we lose a bit of our own humanity. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, why are we even out here at that point if we lose mm -hmm. that part of ourselves and lose the heart for people? 
you know, and mm. it really takes a whole new level of absolutely. Loving you know, like what does that even mean to everybody yeah. here? The second thing that I like to share, I, I don't know if I don't know if your thoughts have evolved since then, but I still remember when you posed this question to me, and 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 you said just because you're an American, you would say that. You said if you had, if you were you had a family and you were starving and you had five children or something like that, and you're all starving and you're going to die of starvation. Would you sell one of the kids? You gave like this hypothetical um, so that you could save the whole family. And I said, no, I, I would rather have the whole, I would rather die with my kids. Like I just would rather do that than sell one off, you know, kind of a thing. Uh, and then you said something to me and I, and, and I just want you to maybe just share with our audience. And I don't know if your thoughts have changed since then, but mm -hmm. It was so impactful for me because you said, well, of course you can say that because you're an American, right? Mm -hmm. And you always have a full stomach on. But like you, the things that you said to me was just so impactful. And like that, th that's the kind of thing that I think like when people get connected to what you guys are doing, they're going to learn things that they've never learned before. You know, and that's kind of like I'm hoping our audience will kind of grab. So can you guys can you share that a little bit, Scott? If if you remember that conversation we had yeah. when I was oh, when I was by myself with you in Thailand and you shared this stuff yeah. with me, and I was just like, whoa, that's just like completely transformational way of thinking. Yeah. And and that's those are the things when I say like we feel like we know less the further we get into it. Um yeah. so uh it was actually a real account. It wasn't a yeah. hypothetical situation where there was a family uh, with eight children, um, reluctantly decided they would let one of their kids go um to be in the industry uh so at the brink of starvation you know it was i'm sure it was a, a gut-wrenching decision but it, mm -hmm. for the survival of the uh, other seven kids they made that decision uh and some of those kids end up you know continuing on even if they are let's say free to go because they are wanting to keep supporting their family and so um you know, the naturally, like, it's not something I'm saying, you, you know, I'm condoning or like, it should be a good thing. Yeah, but of course. It's a tough, tough decision people have to make. Yeah. And we can't sit here and, and judge them for their situation. Because, I, uh, you know, being American myself, I know that, you know, there's, uh, there's uh, care uh, systems in the US that uh, yeah. would, would um, allow me to at least have food, at least uh, be able yeah. to survive, um, you know, uh, and there's routes to do that. Uh, here, uh, there aren't those measures. It's not as uh, prevalent. And yes. so, um, and the, the part that is hard for us is how can we get to a point where they don't have to make that decision? Hmm. How do we make an impact so they don't have to decide, like, do we sell one of our kids off yeah. in yeah. order to survive? Um, yeah. So that's a bigger question that has arisen in our life. Great. Right? Um, yeah, but it goes back to, like, we we have to be more humble about this. We have to yeah. understand that people are living in dire situations uh, that we fully don't understand and grasp. Mm, mm. And um, we have to go from there to figure out how can they be in a better situation in future considerations. Mm. Yeah. Now, look, if we can just, cause there's, uh, we're going to go a little longer today, if that's okay with our audience, but uh, I want to, I want to just spend to. a little bit. 
Huh? We, we yeah, need we need to. to. We just started. Because uh, because I, I I think it's really important that we end we with you sharing end. what you like, got. My mind is what... like, <laughs> like, okay, well we're gonna we wrap to share up now. At the end. You know? Yeah, we need to share at the end what you guys are doing a bit more because I know you did the intro thing, Scott, which is great. But now I think it'll give a lot more understanding to our audience what you guys are really doing, which is really I think amazingly brilliant. But let's talk about this movie that came out recently called The Sound of Freedom. Um, you know, Chris, I was with you. Uh, we were at Phuket together. We, I think it was over breakfast. I forget what it was. Yeah. And I just mentioned this to you about this movie and, and you blew my mind. Like you, like the stuff that you shared, you really blew my mind and I don't want to ruin cause I, I, I won't be able to articulate <laughs> what you share with me that day, but that's why I just said, I need to get you on the podcast mm-hmm. because I need people to hear this because mm-hmm. Christians in this country have fully embraced this movie um, and they are touting it as like, this is amazing. This is great. And it's done. I mean, this movie has done amazing. When, when look, my friend works in Hollywood and he just said, this movie, it's just ridiculous. It took $4 million to make and it's made so much money. And it's like, you know, everyone is, is, is watching this movie. And so I wanted you, Chris, if you wouldn't mind just sharing what you shared with me that day when we were in Phuket and, and you kind of shared why this movie was actually not very good. Yeah. Um, so um, I think I think that what the movie would have done well, and I think I think in some ways that it was based off of things that I've heard in the follow-up, it, there, there is a piece of this that is true, is that it would have been great to start the conversation and not say that this is the be-all, end-all of the conversation. Um, so think of it with like any movie, right? You know, you have like a rom-com drama, right? But there's hundreds, thousands of rom-coms to go from. So if you're watching yeah. any, you know, movie from that genre, you don't look at that and say like, oh, well, in order to you know, fall in love, I have to quit my job and go to like a farm and then meet a cowboy. And then that's the only way that I find love. Like we, Sounds we like understand that movie. Right. We understand <laughs> that there's, I think that's a real movie actually. We understand that that's just one yeah. of many different things. But when you take something like The Sound of Freedom, it really is one of the only mm. things in this particular genre that is doing this. And so the the problem with that, and which is the same thing with any movie that's in that, is that if you're the only one in that, you're telling the whole story. You have the platform for the whole story. And then that story becomes the standard. And this mm-hmm. is how it is. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, like, there's, I mean, Hollywood is Hollywood, you know, and you, there's a storytelling aspect that needs to be done and in order for things to do well. Um, and there's things that we gravitate towards is like those heroes that, you know, kind of go rogue and go in and do these rescue missions. And it's something that mm-hmm. we can rally behind and something that we can get excited about. And it's, you know, things like that. Um, again, I'm not an expert in this at all. Um, I do have friends that are experts in this um, and they have worked alongside like, per, like with the, the film, the studio that put this out um one of them uh, her instagram handle is upwardly dependent um phenomenal i mean mm-hmm. there was um, a whole group of uh, anti-trafficking organizations that got together that kind of submitted this this thing that was like 
hey, if you watch The Sound of Freedom and you would like to really know more and how much more complex, because that's what we've been talking about, right? This is such a complex thing. And if you go into this movie and then you watch this movie and you see from start to finish this kind of big story and then it's wrapped up at the end with like a nice pretty bow on it Mm. and you're like, oh, this is what it is. Like you can see like even just in the 40 minutes we've been talking, like people that brush up against this and know the complexities of this and know how challenging it is it's really hard when we see something that's just been kind of reduced back down. Mm. And again, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to criticize that because of course it's going to be reduced. You're watching an hour and 45 minute long movie, you know, again, that's just telling one story, but at the same time, it's like, Oh, but there's so many things that from a perspective of like, whether you're talking about how to tell a victim story well, and, how to protect certain things or how to really portray like the complexities of it. And, you know, I mean, like the last thing you really want is like a bunch of people going rogue and then like going in, you know, cause again, in the movie, it's great. It worked out, but in real life, those things don't always work that way. And not just to the detriment of the person that, you know, gets this, hoorah moment and like goes in and and does these things but also to the detriment of you know the people that are getting rescued too sometimes it's collateral damage and so yeah it's a lot yeah can we talk about that collateral damage a little bit and i don't know if you want to talk a little bit about it but i know one of the things that you said and i'm just going to go there if you don't feel comfortable talking about it you can t- you can just say hey i don't know if i want to talk about that but you just you can edit you, it out one of the things right? you, yeah you said yeah you said it when we were having breakfast you said you know like that here's this guy going in to save you know, these kids. And then he takes a gun out and shoots the enemy or quote unquote, the enemy. And no one talks about the trauma. The kid now has to deal with the fact that he just saw somebody get shot. Yeah. You know, and stuff yeah. like that. Like, can you just talk about that a little bit? Cause like, that was just like, man, that the depth of that, like for me was overwhelming yeah. when you said that I was like, my goodness, I never even thought about that. Right. So there's, there's a, there's the, it's the climax of the movie, right? Right. right. Comes in, he saves the day. He saves the girl and rescues her from the bad man. It's good versus bad, you know, good versus evil. Yeah. And um, watching that from what the story is telling and what we're grown up with our superheroes and fighters and all of yes. those things. It's like, yes, this is great. He saves the day. When I was watching it, I was actually watching it with some friends. We were doing like a viewing together just mm. because we'd heard a lot about it and we really wanted to like see it for ourselves. It was the hardest, absolute hardest scene for me to watch. Mm. I myself have not personally been a victim in that particular way. Um, but to to have spoken with people and to know people that have been walked in those situations um, and to watch that whole scene play through from the eyes and the heart and the mind of the victim. Um, mm. the, he comes in and, and the first thing he does is he puts his hand over her mouth. It's the middle of the night and he's rescuing her in the middle of the night. And again, we could talk about all the reasons why he needs to do that. Yeah. Um, but this is also a girl who's just, who's been kidnapped and now she's getting, she's a very young girl and she's, now she's getting re-kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Essentially, like how, how do you explain to a girl like, oh no, no, I'm a good guy. You know, you just saw me earlier in the day and I was, I was conversing with these people and I was looking like I was really good friends with them because, you know, we were hanging out and that's how I got in. But now like, so she's reliving this traumas all over again. And I'm not saying here, I'm sitting here going like, 
well, then he should just leave her there, you know, or there's a better way of doing it. Again, I'm not an expert in it. I just know what I was watching and what I was like feeling as I was watching. And so having, you know, this man get murdered then in front of her and then her get scooped up into this arm of the other man. And then he rushes her out of the thing and he puts her in a van with two other men. Um, Hmm. It was just, you know, and as a woman who's out here, like, I was like, did you bring a girl in the van? Like, did you put yeah. a woman in the van yeah. to like mother yeah. her yeah. or like provide some level of like this yeah. motherly comfort once she gets, th- yeah. I mean, she's just been through hell and back and she's so displaced and she's so disoriented and she's so confused, you know? And again, the highlight of that movie though, isn't about her. The highlight of that movie is about him. And so it's, it's yeah. from his perspective and how he's saving her. And how he's rescuing her. And so that's the way that this, that's what this, that's who the story is about. But again, like, it's just, it's, it was really, really hard for me to watch mm. bringing in all of my experiences and all of this stuff. And again, I've just someone who's had these conversations, second, third, fourth hand, yeah. like I'm nobody out here, you know? And I, I knew enough to know, like, man, like I, I won't, I, even if I watch that movie again, and someone's like, oh, I really want to watch it with you. I'll leave the room during that scene. I just, mm-hmm. I, I can't, I don't want to see that again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, Sue, just what, what's going through your mind as you're hearing that? Cause like when she was explaining that to me in breakfast, I was like, Oh my God, like just never thought of it from the perspective of this little girl. And, uh, and it just overwhelmed me when I heard that. And I was just like, wow, I never even thought about that. And most of us, we watch this movie and we're just like, yeah, this is great. Look at the hero. He's doing this. And we never think about the people like, in which they're saving, but at the same time causing trauma, you know, at the same time. So Sue, just like as just someone who's hearing this for the first time, like how are you processing all of this? I mean, it's very hard for me to give an unbiased opinion on this movie because I already feel, I just, from the very beginning, I was like, this is like the most irresponsible film to put out for a variety of reasons, not even just because, well, I don't want to go into my soapbox, but I I really feel like, no, no, no. I really feel like, um, this is a ma- movie made to specifically pander to the fear of a particular group of people in America. Um, I think that trafficking, like sex trafficking, I remember I went to like a conference like years ago and the lady who started the conference was like, trafficking is a very sexy topic right now. She's like, no pun intended. But I, you know, I think what she meant was like, there's like some, there's something that suddenly, like I remember yeah. I had never heard about trafficking ever. And then suddenly it was everywhere. And like, I couldn't, anyone who was anyone in the world of organizations, nonprofits was talking about trafficking. Like it was like a thing. I feel like this is a kind of movie that um, stokes that like, if you speak to a lot of Christian, Christian people in America, they will say, if you ask them, what is the greatest problem that America is facing right now? And they will literally say child trafficking. It's like the most bizarre thing. Again, I am not minimizing that trafficking is horrible, but I I don't know what has happened to suddenly, you know, I've thought about why is trafficking the thing that these people are gravitating towards as like the most horrible societal ill in our country and in the world right now. And I think some of it is like what you know, Scott and Christina have been saying, which is like, there's something so like, quote unquote, glamorous sounding about the, the about this scenario of like, I'm going to come and rescue these helpless people out of these yeah. like evil villains. And I can do that, you know? Um, and like Christina said, this is that whole idea of like, 
good and evil how like yeah. this idea that there's somehow this clear delineation between like who's good and who's evil and you know sorry i'm go- i'm going off of like a thing but this is because I also recently read something about the younger generation, like Gen Z, which uh, Christina might be a Gen Z. You're probably an I'm yes. a millennial, I'm, young millennial. I'm okay. Right in the middle okay. of millennial. Okay. Apparently, <laughs> there's something with the Gen Zs where they really view the world as good and evil, like black and white. Yes. And that's why whenever there's like a political upheaval, like even right now with the whole Israeli-Palestinian situation, they ask you to pick a side. Like you have to pick a mm. side. There's no nuance. There's no gray. You've got, you're either for us or against us. And I think this this movie it, it just it's plays plays on all of that like you got to pick a side yeah. which is why they love the idea of child trafficking like even if you talk to people if you talk about women like grown women who are trafficked they don't have as much compassion for it because they think they feel like well you know that, that, that they weren't as helpless you know they kind of chose this but the children we got to think of the children like there's this very clear idea that they've created of who merits our rescue as if yes. they can even do it. And certain populations, even if they might be in that, they're kind of like, well, those, you know, they've, that's not our responsibility. You know, I, I went on a, r- yeah. a bunch of variety of directions. No, there, no, no. But, but you know, I mean, Sua, I mean, Sua, you know, for those who don't know, maybe yeah, I'm, I really you should don't know, like that Sua movie. Used, <laughs> Sua used to be on our staff. She was a director of justice advocacy and compassion. And so she kind of led the movement for us. She started off at our church. But Sue, I remember, I don't know if you, I'm sure you remember this, but remember when we we work with an organization, I'm not going to say which organization, but they do with, they deal with human trafficking in New York, New Jersey area. And we decided to get a house to, you know, when the women were free, they can come and live in the house. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember this, Sua. I'm sure you do, because if I remember it, I'm sure you do, because my memory is terrible. But uh, when we rescued them and they came to the house, some, a majority of them were very angry that we rescued them. They were so angry because they're like, what are you doing? Our pimp was so good to us. We were able to support our family. And now what are we going to do? And it was like, for me, it was just like a smack in the face. It's like, there is this thing is so complex. Here we are thinking we did the right American thing, like oh yeah, we saved people, we gave them a home, and yet really nothing much, you know, uh, on top of that. And just and the reality of man, like I just I don't. Do you remember that Sua when that happened? Can I give a little comic relief here? I don't know if this is a problem. Yes. I'm gonna have to edit this out. It's it's at your expense, PP. So you have to approve okay. it. <laughs> So we were having a meeting once and we were doing the budget for Jack and we had partnered with this organization that will go unnamed, not because they're bad, but just because, you know, confidentiality. And um, he goes, he says something along the lines of, yes, and we have budgeted this X amount of money because we are going to build a house of prostitutes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. Everyone's like, what? And he's like, yeah, we're going to Wait, did I say those exact words? Yes, yes. He said, we're going to build a house for prostitutes. And everybody was so confused. (laughs) Not my finest moment. Not my finest moment. Of course, you you have a little little humor to add into our very difficult topic that we're talking about. I I just remember, it's like burned in my brain because it was so funny. Like the faces of the people in the room, they're like, we're doing what now? (laughs) Sorry. Okay. Yes, I, I do remember that. And um, yeah, what was I mean, going through your mind when 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 this was happening, I never really unpacked it with you. But what was going through your mind when all this was happening? No, but you know, PP, I feel like this um, not to take away from like our amazing guests who have completely blown my mind. Yeah. But um, I, I, I also think it's not the issues that we're seeing are not categorically yeah. very unique to this 
like feel like trafficking in Thailand feel like I feel like this is like yeah. an undercurrent that goes through a lot of people who are trying to right. be helpful, quote unquote, Um, like starting from like the whole arrogance of like, I'm going to go into a completely new country with a completely new, like different history and different culture and try to fix something in two weeks to this idea of like, everything has to be about me. I mean, even when I used to do Jack, the most popular volunteer events were always the one and dones. It was always the one yeah. and dones. The ones where you have to build relationships, like, can you come and teach English? Mm, I mean, I don't know. That doesn't sound very exciting. Yeah. Or also yeah. how many weeks do I have to do it? You know, I just want to yeah. be able to do a one and done. And so I, I, my mind is True. blown because of like the depth and the just yeah. scope of the work that you guys are doing. Yeah. Um, but simultaneously, because I'm a cynic at heart, like it does not surprise me because I feel like these mm -hmm. are the same things that show up every time we naively at best yeah. naively at best but also like really toxically try to help without um you know yeah doing the actual it was work. toxic for sure yeah no it's great so now as we can kind of sort of we're not going to draw an end just quite yet but i would just love for you guys to share a little bit more about what you guys are doing mm -hmm. now i mean just uh, i mean it just started off as like this you know humble little vision and god is really growing what you guys are doing and how you are figuring out the complexities of this and how you can really come alongside of women and and really build them up in, in a healthy way where they 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 can start you know dreaming and doing things. So could you just share a little bit more? I know you gave a, a little brief intro. It probably went over our audience's head. But now I think in context of everything you've shared, share a little bit about the amazing work that you guys are doing in, in Chiang Mai. Um, so to put it more simply, uh, the road road to recovery and restoration is a long and grueling yes. process. Um, mm. Like some of the uh, women that we work with um, that are on our team, I mean, they're my heroes. Mm. What what they've endured and what they've walked through in life and right now the joy that they possess and the life that they have mm. and the dreams that they have for themselves mm. and their families, it's, it's nothing short of a miracle and it's inspiring. Yes. But the way that they got there was not just something like, oh, they got rescued and all of a sudden they mm -hmm. flip on a switch and they're good. It's it's a it's been a painstaking process. Yeah. And um there are there are not enough people uh, and organizations that are walking people in the journey of recovery in that total res restor rest restoration piece that is crucially mm -hmm. needed for people to stay out and then want to keep staying out and finding a way forward in life. Mm. Um, there, there's so many um, ways that, uh, like, like Sue has pointed out, like the day-to-day, -day, the week-to-week moments that are needed uh, in order for people to um, find that pathway forward. Um, there's counseling needed. There's, uh, you know, the, uh, immediate attention to a medical, emotional support, you know, um, education properties. Um, there's uh, regressions, you know, there are yes. people that fall back and, you know, all of yes. a sudden episodes and who who's going to be there to walk alongside mm -hmm. um, these mm -hmm. individuals that have walked through literal terror mm -hmm. in their lives, like yeah. beyond any of our imagination. And simply say like, oh, they're fine now. That's the hardest part for me to swallow uh, is because that's that is one of the one of the um, things that are overlooked. Um, and so uh, we only play a small part in that whole piece. We have so many good organizations we partner with that um, address every level of the situation from rescue restoration to prevention 
um, to um, you know uh, job creation opportunities. Um, where we found that we are the most effective is in that gap between uh, growing out of um, children's homes that are focused on rescue restoration and prevention programs um, and, and finding a way to walk alongside them in their early stages of, I am starting out my life and I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I may not have ever had a bank account or managed finances, may not even had a cell phone, um, may not understand the basic uh uh, uh, etiquettes of, um, you know, livelihood that, you know, many of us take for granted. Uh, we also work with, um, you know, safe houses and, uh, many other amazing programs that walk through that counseling, the restoration, the grueling part. And, uh, by the time they, well, many of them, by the time they come to us, it's, they're ready to take that next step of vocational training, uh, getting a job, mm -hmm you know, finding that first steps into um, basically reinstatement of into society, into livelihoods. Um, and then the other part of it is uh, because of our proximity to uh, some of the uh, red light areas in Chiang Mai, we also have an emergency housing component. So if we get a call in the middle of the night saying, hey, this person is under duress or an abusive situation, uh, no questions asked, we'll take them in immediately. Um, and then figure out where is the best place for this person to start their process. Um, and it's not ever a linear linear path. And uh, no, co collaborative of the organizations we partner with, uh, we meet and sometimes we're like, we don't know how to tackle this situation, um, but who can take on this element? Who can take on this piece? Um, and it takes literally a village to um, mm -hmm. find a, a collective and collaborative approach. And a lot of times we do get it wrong and we hope that we learn and we keep growing from that and we don't repeat the same mistakes. And uh, it, it is something that is humbling because you don't know it all here uh, and you realize how little you do know. Um, but we have amazing people that just like keep fighting through it and saying, you know what, it's yeah. worth it. It's something that we're going to keep going after. Um, and, you know, that's the part that we are playing in this in this field. Yeah, and so you guys have two 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 living homes, right? Um, like dorms yeah. that you guys have where people can come. So we have three right now, and oh, then you have three, okay. Um, and then with the Bella Goose locations, we're working on our fourth one for you know more job creation opportunities, right? Uh, yeah, and sustainability measures. So, so I think what I honestly used to just learn is that um, you know Bella Goose is sort of a, a cafe coffee shop, but also you guys are like a, a I mean, there's some amazing food there as well, and I've eaten the food there and it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, you guys started off with one location when I when I first came, but now it's expanded to three. Right, you've grown it to three, um, and I think you're working on a fourth. And if I can just share with our audience, I know if it's okay for me to share with, hopefully it is that you guys are looking to expand to Bangkok and other countries oh. as well in the future uh, because uh, the model is working. And I know you recently had a staff retreat, right? You guys had a recently had a staff retreat and you are currently employing how many empo folks? How many folks are you guys employing? Um, about, I mean, 40 people now around that. Yeah, yeah, which is really amazing, um, you know, and you're letting them learn, grow, and, uh, and you give them real life skills. So they can find other ways and how they can support their families, which I think is really amazing, which I think is really amazing. Um, anything else you want to add, Chris, Chris, uh, to what to what you guys are doing that that maybe Scott maybe might have left out or anything? Um, 
No, I mean, I think he pretty much covered all of it. Um, I know for me, like I, I do a lot of the admin stuff um, as far as finances mm. and stuff go for both the for-profit and the nonprofit. So I see yeah. um, a lot of things come through and I think the only other thing I would add is just, and I think I can speak for both of us when we say it's just such an honor and a privilege to be in this space. Um, if there's anything I've learned over the last you know, 10 years, um, just walking alongside people in these really messy and vulnerable spaces, like it's, it's not something that I take lightly, uh, yeah. take for granted. It is a very sacred place. I mean, if you've ever sat in a room with someone and, you know, shared tears like those those moments are invaluable and, yeah. and there, there are things happening in those moments um and so getting to be in those moments yeah i mean it's it's hard and it's messy and it's very human and so which just means it's a mixed bag of all the good the bad and the ugly and everything in between and you know we're everyone's people are complicated people and there's just a lot there um but there is, yeah, there is this, this honor that I, that I approach this space with of like, yeah, um, they're saying yes to me being in their space. They're saying yes. And it's, it's not easy asking for help, no matter where you come from, like, you know, asking for help isn't like, especially yeah. when you're coming from like these really like rock bottom situations, yeah. you know, but then to be in that space and like, yeah, it's like, wow, like you're you're letting me in and that's huge. And yeah, such an honor. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing so uh, I'd like to add is like, you know, we hope that uh, we can just bring a perspective uh, where we're only one or one of so many um, great resources and organizations that are out there doing amazing things. The other thing that I would encourage people is, you know, let's say they do go on a short trip or they're involved uh, in this area. Um, if, they're not in the forefront, if they are not the star of, um, you know, the moment, uh, if they are in the in the backdrop, and they're not able to post on social media, would it still be as uh, important? Mm. And, and uh, I only say that because it should be a, a level of it should be like a barometer of, um, you know, what is the what is the driving force behind it? And if it's for you as an individual, yeah. um, that is not going to be enough. It has mm -hmm. to be bigger than you. It has to be for the people that um, you are serving and they need to be the in the forefront. They need to be um, the most important aspect mm -hmm. and where you are a secondary in that in that scope. Mm -hmm. um, and if, if you're truly honest about that, then I feel like you're in a good place because then I feel yeah. like then you're going to start to take the steps that is going to be for the people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm so proud of you guys. Um, it's such a privilege and an honor for Metro to support you guys the way we have. Um, and I'm just like, I get a little emotional, a little, little teary eyed. I don't know. I, I'm getting older. I, I have these moments more now, but just the, the fact that, you know, um, I know you guys and that you're doing what you're doing and doing it in a way that really glorifies Jesus is, is the best. And it's just, it's humbling. And, uh, I'm just so grateful for what you do and the work that you do. Uh, Sula, do you have any thoughts or any, any comments? And then I just want to give our audience an opportunity, like if they want to contact you or learn more about what you guys are doing or support you guys, how can they do that? So if you guys can sort of think about that, but Sula, you know, any, any, any thoughts going through your mind as we get ready to wrap? 
I was thinking, like this past Sunday, our past one of our pastors was preaching a sermon, and she talked about um, how there's so many people right now who want to. It's like their whole lives are about making a point, like making a point about right and wrong. Mm. Like who's right? Who's the right candidate? What is the right yeah. side? Which is the right issue? But she said, what Jesus calls us to do is to make a difference, and I feel like that's what you guys are doing. It's you know, it seems like as you're speaking, um, you're really invested in making a difference, and yeah it's on a macro level, but also the nitty gritty micro level and the one person to the other person and just being able to see the humanity. And I'm very, I'm very inspired by the work you guys are doing. And um, thank you for making a difference. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's many ways, like what you guys are doing, it's not about doing something that's right or something that's wrong or making those decisions, but it's about and doing the thing that's righteous, like right. really focusing on what is the righteous thing to do here. And that's the one of the reasons why I respect the work that you guys do so much is because you're always asking that. What's the righteous path here? Not the right path, not the wrong path, but what's the righteous path? And you guys have figured that out. And uh, and I know God's using you guys beautifully. So can you guys share, if you wouldn't mind, just like if people want to contact you, whether emails or something like that, how can they do that? Um, you know, if they want to learn more about what you guys are doing, is there websites, social media handles, anything like that that you guys can just share before we wrap up? Yeah. Um, so. Uh... Our website is thegatewaymovement.com. Mm. And uh, the it's gatewaymovement.com. Thegatewaymovement.com. Yeah, right. And it's a very basic website. We're still working on more content. Uh, but it has a, a, the overall approach that we have, um, the work that we do. And there's also a donate link uh, on that page. Uh, so that would be a good starting point. And um, feel free to reach out to us. We're happy to engage in conversations with people. Um, no matter where you are in the world, no matter uh, what your scope of uh, experiential sets are, uh, you can always do the more. Uh, it's going to yeah. take uh, a whole world of people to make an impact and make a difference here. And yeah. so, um, yeah, if you're already thinking about it and thinking like, I don't know what I'm doing and I have no experience, um, I started there. You yeah. know, it's just, it's just that first step of saying yes to, okay, I want to do something about this. How can I do this in a better way? And if people are going to go out there. Um, can they say hi to you at Bella Goose? Yeah, absolutely. Come visit absolutely. us. Yeah, <laughs> we welcome anyone um, to come join us at our cafe. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, come say hi to us. We're happy to engage. Yeah. And and just for those who are listening that are part of Metro Community Church, we are going to do an ambassador's trip uh, next year sometime. I'm still kind of working on the dates with Scott and Christina, but we are planning to go out definitely before uh, May. So that's sort of the goal there before it gets too hot. But uh, I hope that you guys would think about maybe joining me on the ambassador trip because I'd love to go out there again. Um, if I could just share one thing before we wrap up, because I, I, I love it if we could just pray for you before we before we wrap up. But one, one question I had for you guys that's completely unrelated to what we talked about was how important do you think it is for Christians if they can, if they can and they have the finances to actually visit parts of the world and actually see what God is doing. Do you guys think that's actually an important process to help us to potentially really grow uh, in our in our in our in our relationship with God and Christ? I I, I kind of want to ask you that question. As, that sounds as, like as a leading question, PP. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no like I, I just I just I just uh, before we wrap up, I just kind of want to like, what do you guys think? Do you think uh, it's a, do you think it's important for Christians to travel the world and see what the Holy Spirit's up to? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. I mean, I mean, again, this is kind of, this is speaking to my like traveler's heart, yeah. right? And so I, as someone who's just found it fascinating um, 
to learn about other cultures and to learn about other people. Like um, I always said, like, you know, meeting another person is like getting to, you know, pick up a new book and you get just get to ask questions and yeah. essentially get to read the story of their life because everybody's story is different, you know, and, and the further out you go from your circle and your, your close, you know, town, city, yeah. state, country, community, like the further that goes, just it's just more opportunity to read more books and get to know things. Um, and if you're doing that from, again, from coming from a place of learning another cult- culture and getting to see and, yeah. and putting aside like, oh, well, this is the right way of doing things um, because this is what I've grown up with. And so therefore it's right. And you just, you go and you walk into that new culture with that posture of like, learning and yeah, yeah. you know seeing what else is out there like i mean the, it, it's endless you know i i really think uh and i and i believe it more so now uh, than ever but i have had like literally like i've been in the presence of god like in such a tangible way as i've traveled the world and if you're listening and you just kind of your scope is just the us of a you know i mean it's it's fine i mean i think it's fine to some degree but I just think like if you can, it's really important for you to visit other parts of the world and see what the Holy Spirit's up to. And most religious, most Christian sociologists that kind of study kind of the activity of the Holy Spirit, they would kind of conclude that the Holy Spirit's kind of left the Western Hemisphere and it's moved. It's moved eastwards to the southern parts of of the world. And so it's just good, I think, as Christians to kind of see what the Holy Spirit's up to and uh, to really open ourselves if we're willing to learn and receive. And uh, I think it just really helps you to really grow and learn. So I just kind of wanted to encourage our audience about that as well. So Scott, Christina, it's getting late over there in Thailand. I know, Christina, you're like me, man. You like to go to sleep early. So can we just pray for you before we close out? Yeah? Okay. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity and this time. Thank you for Scott and for Christina. And Lord, um, I still remember uh, the passion that I saw in Scott's eyes when he came into my office and said, God's calling me. I need to leave. I can't live in the U.S. I knew it was you. And to see what you're doing with Christina and with them together and within the things that they're building to advance your kingdom, to grow your kingdom, God, I just pray that you just continue to be with them. And Jesus, I just pray that you would just bless them And I just pray for a special impartation of your Holy Spirit to be Mm -hmm. upon both of them, Mm -hmm. that you would use them profoundly, prophetically, Lord, and God, that they would truly be light, salt and light in the the world in which you've called them to be uh, living in, God. I pray you would bless them and give them dreams, greater dreams, even than the dreams that they have. And God, that they will always focus no matter what, not just on the big dreams, but just continue to focus on the one life that you've called them to love and care for, God. Continue to bless them, bless their marriage. I pray you would consecrate it, God, and the fuel of their ministry that they do would come from you and, of course, in their relationship with each other, God. Bless them and all the things that you've called them to do, God. And so we just thank you so much for this time. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for listening. And if you have any thoughts, any questions, uh, if you want to reach out to Scott and Christina and you maybe can't find it, uh, you can, you know, email Sue and I. You can get that at weekpastor.org or you can just, uh, you know, message us on our social media. We'll get, make sure we get you that information. So thank you so much for listening and we hope that you'll listen next week. Take care. <laughs>